This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. back folks here on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtka online at wtka.com sam webb mr ira weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single week for the m go blog roundtables the m go blog crew uh starting off with the triumphant return of mr <laughs> brian cook bc we missed you last week man how you doing good uh if my power goes off uh, i want everyone to raid dte <laughs> yeah, I didn't call it. I actually I was gonna be doing a show from home this morning. I got up to go up with Joe Simon and my cable was out. Ah. I had to come in this morning. So I'm feeling your pain, man. Seth Fisher, how you doing this morning? I'm good. Brian's power was out last week, so I had to do all his work for him. <laughs> and Craig Ross. Craig, I keep getting questions. I mean, uh, you know, responses mm. about your stories, and they said, Oh, can we have story time? With Craig Ross, I said, Man, he he gives us a story. I don't even have to prompt him. He gives us a story every single week. We'll get it on the Amigo Blog Roundtable. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing fine, actually. Uh, my story today is I just woke up two seconds ago because I'm in Kona and my uh, alarm didn't go off. So anyway, uh, I apologize. The, the one thing I would like to mention is today there's a basketball watch along. And uh, Brian and uh, David and Alex did a hockey lot watch along a couple weeks ago. And, and as unlikely as that seemed, it seemed to work, work out really well. I, I found it very enjoyable. So, yeah, uh, could, these will be my last moments as a free man if the refereeing goes a certain way. So that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know Brian hasn't been enthusiastic about it, but I, 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 I encourage it. It, uh, it, it was it was very amusing, uh, and I also want to shout out to Dr. Ben Kaplan. I probably wouldn't be alive except for him. Uh, so thanks, thanks, Doc. Anyway, uh, I, I don't uh, uh, I don't have a great story. To do. I'll have a story next week, you know, but I don't have a great story. Hey, you know, people are are loving. They say good hair day for you, uh, Craig. That's what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's what they're saying. I'm sure man. I look great. <laughs> hey, look. So, Brian, I, look these the watch alongs. I imagine for this team, it, it, whether you're watching with your uh, MGO blog uh, citizens, if you will, or just sitting watching yourself, these, it's been a painful experience at times. But these last three games, it's like a switches flip because. Lo and behold, all of a sudden, Michigan is actually finishing. They're actually closing out games. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I've noticed for just my own personal like 
emotions about the team is that I've been saying like nice help sort of involuntarily three or four times a game, which was not happening earlier in the season. So you have, I think, a better team awareness of when guys need help, when to help. Um, and I think I think playing Terrace Reed more just helps out uh, defensively because he's a guy who, when he comes to the uh, for help side defense, he's not like trying to take a charge. Mm-hmm. He's going to erase your shot. And so you know, Michigan's pulled away late in you know th- a couple games, and then they had some real bad refereeing luck, uh, plus a banked in three. <laughs> that put them behind the the eight ball against Wisconsin, and they got a little bit of luck themselves with the the hundred three, and then in overtime they they handled their business. So, yeah, I mean, after the first Wisconsin game, I, I remember watching that game, and I was just like, "Why am I watching this? I know exactly what's going to happen." And then the thing that happened always happened happened. So, you know, you never want to leave a team for dead, even though I obviously did. <laughs> it's over. But now they're on the bubble, and if they win at Illinois. I think even if they lose at Indiana, you're going to see them go into the Big Ten tournament with a chance at getting in at one and one, and then a pretty good chance at two and one. Mm-hmm. So, Seth, uh, the scenario it's uh, it's a tie game with four minutes to go against Michigan State. Uh, it's a six point game with four minutes to go against Rutgers. They're down, uh, you know, with seconds to go against Wisconsin, and they finished. Every six, they lose these games early in the season. These last three, they figured out a way. Yeah, I I admit actually that I'm the only Michigan fan on the planet who thought that Hunter Dickinson's shot was not going to go in. I was like, there's just no way. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody else believed, but I was positive, just like I was positive this team was out. And it's it's been a little bit like that, but um. You know, you, you want to talk about what play happened at those moments, right? Well, Michigan State drives. It Michigan needs a stop. We gotta get we gotta close this game out. They get past their guy, right? Doug gets Doug gets beat by AJ Hogard. He's into the lane. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like Mike Sainra still in the end zone, it comes the hand of Terrace Reed just to like pop that against the backboard, right? And and that's been the difference. Reed's been in more. Um Jets defense I think after the Wisconsin game started coming around more. I don't know, maybe he had a Well he a, hasn't a, played the last couple games. Yeah, but he um <laughs> and then in the Michigan State game yeah. though, I thought I, I felt him more defensively in that game than That's, any game off season. That was that was the that was the point. And then I mean they've been doing it without Jet. Um but like, you know, Baker's not really that much of a upgrade defensively off over him and even offensively Baker's a little bit lost. So it really hasn't been coming from them. It's been Doug McDaniel's been coming along. Um he's more of a defensive pest, but he's enough of a defensive pest that it's, you know, that he's now a plus defensively. Where I think earlier in the season, um especially right after Llewellyn went out and Doug was all of a sudden the guy that like that was that was a big hole in the defense and having him and Jed out there both of them lost at the same time was just killing us. So when Brian talks about like where's the help coming in from and everything like that's important. Doug really hasn't cu- gotten there offensively yet. He's making his shots, but I don't think he sees everything. But defensively, this team is completely turned around. They were just abysmal defensively, and now they're meh defensively. <clears throat> no, well, Craig, Craig the um, look Terrace. We talked a lot about Terrace, right? We we've obviously Hunter is the the key cog in the wheel. We'll get to him coming up and his shot. Of course, Doug McDaniel, who I want to stress um, more, but I feel like 
I want to lead in with you talking about Kobe because I feel like you're my kindred spirit on Kobe Bufkin. Thinking that he was going to be a guy and he is looking like a guy right now, Craig Ross. Yeah, I know. You and I were both positive on Kobe and thought Kobe was going to be a really good player last year. And uh, it just took some time for it to come around. The thing that really appeals to me, appealed to me about Kobe was when I talked to him at media day this year, he, he, I asked him, well, what is it going to, you know, what are you going to do to have to stay on the court so you can have, and he, he went right back. I think I mentioned this to the old Larry Bird thing that you have to have the right to miss. Uh, if you don't have the right to miss, you can never really re- reach your potential on shooting the ball. And I said, well, what do you need to do to have the right to miss? And he says, I got to play defense. He goes, and I, you know, my defense was terrible last year and I, and I've got to be able to come along and play defense and stay on the court. And then other things will come along. And man, did he nail, was he self-aware and did he nail exactly, you know, where he needed to go and where in fact he's gone and he's not a great defender, but he's becoming a competent one. And, and his offense is, is really coming along. The sad thing, I don't know if it's sad, it's, you know, as a fan, selfishly, it's sad, is I'm afraid he's going to end up in the NBA next year. Yeah. And the one, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and the one thing, you know, and I guess the one thing you can say is he's young. He's actually, I think Sam pointed this out, younger than Doug. Younger he, than Jet. Uh, or younger than Jet, not Doug. Mm-hmm. Younger than Jet. So he's not a, uh, you know, he, he is quite young and maybe, and he is, still is pretty skinny, but uh, I don't know. But his offense has just come along and come along and come along. And uh, his shot mechanics are beautiful. He, he's a smart player. Uh, he, he, he's what, he's really just about every, everything you want, uh, at the college level at, as a basketball player. The question is how long is he going to be at the college level? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously you, you need him to stay at this level, but if he stays yeah. at this level, the NBA scouts are, are gonna be even more enticed. He's starting to sneak into draft mm-hmm. mentions. Mm-hmm. I think the athletic, I think they're the only ones that had him in a first round mock, but here's the thing. Fellas, I mean, if it's, you know, if we just base it on basketball stock, if it, if that's the only criteria we're looking at, you can make the case that if Kobe Bufkin comes back next year, I kind of see this along the same lines as you remember Jay Nivey, his freshman year. Yeah. He, if he had gone in the draft, he would have been maybe a late first round pick, maybe, uh, you know, second round at, at, at worst, but maybe late first round. You come back. And you're a lottery pick. And I don't think that that's ridiculous to say if Kobe Bufkin comes back, he can go from being uh, maybe your first round pick to you're talking about him as a lottery pick next year. Does that seem outlandish to you, Brian? No, not at all. I mean, one thing that we were all talking about early in the season is that, well, the shooting isn't there for him, but it should come, right? And he's up to 37% from three in Big Ten play, but that's only on 59 attempts. So, like, for a guy like Buffkin, who's not, you know, six foot eight, he's gonna probably have to put some more attempts on tape for for that to be like a real solidified skill. And that's something that Jaden Ivey was able to do his second year at Purdue. He was very much not a shooter as a freshman, added that to his game, and that had uh, the result of his draft stock blowing up. And then, I mean, Buffkin has 
pe- people have been talking about how Michigan is a top 15 team in Bart Torvik. If you just look at the month of February and that's like 82% Kobe Bufkin. So Kobe Bufkin's O ratings in the month of February are all <clears throat> 107 or better. And all but two are 123 or better. And 123 is like national player of the year caliber O rating there. And his usage isn't off the charts, but he is hitting a couple of, of games, particularly this most recent one against Wisconsin, where he's hitting 30, uh, which is, you know, big time Kempon player of the year level stuff. So that's a, a solid month where he's been maybe the best player on the team, maybe one of the best players in the Big Ten. Uh, so if you're able to to get him back next year, uh, that's a really awesome piece to build around, especially because, as we mentioned, he's so young. So he's following that Karras track, and I would like to see Junior Karras because I didn't get to see Junior Karras <laughs> for very long. But what I saw of Junior Karras was, was really excellent. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I feel like I, I hope Michigan can get him back. I think everything that people say about Kobe Bufkin, like – uh, there was a broadcast where they were talking about, you know, he had to, like, Juwan had to sit down with Kobe and be like, all right, we don't want you to transfer. He's like, I'm not going to transfer. I understand that I shouldn't be playing given the way that I'm playing right now. I'm like, damn. And the the story that uh, Craig just told, right? This is this is a kid with his head on his shoulders. And so I don't think he's necessarily going to leap if someone says that you can be the number 30 pick in the draft. Because I think given his youth and his, his runway, yeah, he can jade Nivey next year. Uh, so that's my pitch to stay in school. <laughs> yeah. And really the other small, guy, one just one small correction: he's actually shooting thirty-seven and a half percent in uh, in the in the Big Ten games uh, from three. <laughs> so he's it's not thirty-five; it's thirty-seven and a half, and there's a big difference on that. And he is uh, will and will become a better shooter than Jaden Ivey. The difference is a, that he's taking shots that are contested. I when's the last time he actually yeah. got one of those open? Right? Like I think well. I mean, I don't necessarily. I mean, I mean, the guy who's taken contested threes is Doug. So Doug's at thirty-five percent in Big Ten play, and if you hop over to HoopMath.com, under half of his threes are assisted. So you know that's that's a guy who's doing good work on pull-ups, and that's been another, I think, major factor is that Doug McDaniel has gone from an offensive liability to a guy who's got a one hundred five zero rating in Big Ten games. And he's also on an upward trend. It's not quite as long as Kobe's. It's not quite as consistent as Kobe's. But he's a guy who's gone from, uh-oh, I don't know what happens when he shoots, to like, okay, that's a 17-footer from Doug on a pull-up. That's probably okay, <laughs> which I did not expect going in. I mean, he's still terrible at the rim, and he's still not seeing a lot of things that he needs to see. But just in terms of, like, can you get away with having a freshman point guard like Doug McDaniel? The answer has increasingly been yes. Well, let me let me acknowledge the the part that I didn't see. If we were talking about the, the things that you know maybe he misses, what I missed watching Doug McDaniel is seeing him being able to play at the level that he's playing right now. I I, I just I thought he could be a good college player, but he's he's been in these last three games playing like you know, one of the most improved players in the Big Ten over the course of the year, maybe the most improved player in the Big Ten over the course of the year. And three-point shooting, pull-up shots, I mean, actually playing some semblance of of defense. I admit, 
I didn't see him being able to play at this level at all, let alone as a freshman. Well, I mean, he his shot has been developing. So when he committed to Michigan, he was not much of a shooter. And then his senior year in high school, he started, you know, developing that pull up. Still not something that people thought was very consistent. And it looks like that's going to be a part of his game going forward. And his defense <clears throat> is I'm not going to call it good. It's erratic. But when he gets locked in on a guy, like there have been times where opposing point guards have just not been able to initiate offense because of Doug McDaniel. And that's not consistent yet, but you can see the you can see the potential there. You can see the upside. Yeah, I mean, uh, Phil Martelli uh, has said several times that he's just a pest, mm-hmm. and he's the kind of guys you don't kind of guy you don't like to play against. You know, I went back because I said this before and then felt stupid about it that I that I didn't think that uh, or I felt that Doug's numbers were reasonably comparable to Trey Burke's numbers in his first year. If you just look at the Big Ten games, and that seems stupid. But I went back and looked at it and thought, it's not that far off. It's, In fact, Doug, Doug's no, why numbers. Are we are, having this conversation? Why are we going back to this? Uh, well, I just want to point out that it keeps, and they keep getting closer and closer, except that Doug steals the ball a lot more than Trey did. And his assist turnover. I, I remember ratio. Trey stealing the ball a little bit too, though. I well, that, was Trey, that was more of his second. The numbers aren't, the Trey, the numbers aren't there. Yeah. The numbers show. The numbers show that Doug steals the ball twice, almost twice as much as, as Trey did. And he his uh, assist turnover rate is better than Trey's right now. His freshman year in the – if you look at freshman year in the Big Ten. And uh, rebounds are equal. The only – and free throw shooting, the same. The, the on, only, only place where uh, Trey has him, of course, is three-point shooting, which is about 2.3% better and uh of course shooting at the rim there's no question about that that trey trey was better at the rim than doug but you know he's getting there and the and the good news is we're going to have him for a couple of years mm-hmm. you know hopefully unless he does some crazy thing like frankie did and and i'm not expect i'm not ex- really expecting that i mean i've talked to doug too i find him to be a very sensible guy with the with a good head and uh so I mean I love this backcourt. I love it right now. What what they're doing, and you got to give credit uh, credit to Howard Isley. You got to give credit to the kids uh, that this backcourt was a mess, and now it isn't. Now it's really really good. So All right. so so now I think it's reasonable to expect guys, and we'll start with you on this, Seth. That Jeff will be back, right? He's jumping around when Hunter's three before <laughs> his, his three even goes down. He's up off the bench, and then he's hopping around. Looking like I'm ready to go, but you you hop back in in a moment where look how Doug's playing, look how Kobe's playing, look how the team is playing defensively. You need Jet to pick up where he left off in that Michigan State game where he didn't shoot it well. I don't mean that, but I just felt like that was maybe his best all around effort, considering he wasn't shooting it well. But he was playing defense, he was rebounding the basketball. If he can do that coming back, now we're talking about something you can't, but he can't be the early season kind of, you know, let me jack guy this time. Jet knows the NBA well enough to know that they're comfortable drafting guys who need to develop something in their game because NBA teams believe they're going to teach him. Jet, he's really easy to call. If he's a lottery pick, I think he's going to go. If he's not a lottery Uh pick, I don't think it makes any sense for him to go. 
Buffkin is I the one he, I, think I think that like we need to just come up with again down the stretch here. Hmm? I think he just met like he'll be back for the next game. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Next okay, game. Yeah, I yeah, we're year. talking next year. Uh, no, 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 no. For I mean, yeah, I they they were. I mean, they were talking about him warming up and stuff, and they kind of had kept, camera kept on going to him like, "Is he coming in?" I'm like, "He's not coming in, guys. <laughs> if he's not if he's not in yet, he's not coming in." Um, but yeah, that that does kind of change things a little bit. But he's not been i mean his michigan state performance was better but better and good are very very long distance yeah look look <laughs> you know craig was talking about kobe as a defender and you know how he's you know he he's locked in and he's doing a better job there he's the best defensive player on this team and that's a dubious distinction right uh, and so i get it we're, we're talking about relative we're talking about relative assessments here but this squad is playing better on the defensive end of the floor than they played early in the season. I think a lot of it has to do with focus. And that's what I'm getting to with, with Jet. I think he was more locked in defensively against Michigan State, and that's what he has to be coming back where I think it's going to be glaring to not just the coaches, but to, to his team really, really going at it harder on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, it. It's unfortunate the the coach's son looks like the least coached guy we've had here in a long time, but you know that's it's been focused, right? And especially like that Michigan State game, he was one of those few games where he wasn't getting his shot, right? Like State was taking him away. Um, and in those situations, the Wisconsin game before that uh, at Wisconsin was a good example. When you took him away, he would kind of lose focus on the other end too, right? Like if you could shut him down there, he got a little frustrated. I think he would just not be boxing out and. A lot of those offensive rebounds are not like are not necessarily the center's problem. It's somebody flying in and causing an issue and tipping it out of his hand. And I thought a lot of that was Jet not getting his guy <sighs> on the on those opportunities too. Well, I mean, I think the Wisconsin game was a real come to Jesus moment for the whole team. <laughs> I do too. I do too. You're 100 percent right. You're 100 like, right. They got crushed on the boards by the least athletic team in America. <laughs> like, come on! Yeah. <laughs> you could, t- but you could tell listening to the coaches after that first they they were getting. I was like, look, that's on. I'm the head coach. What we just did out there is unacceptable. That was Jawan, and then Phil Martelli came on that week. He was like, hey, you know, that's a team outworking us. We got outworked at Wisconsin. We can't have that. So clearly, if they're out publicly saying that, you know, they were on some. They were cracking some heads in practice. And then the team responded versus Michigan State, which is who out physicals Michigan State on the glass. And that's what happened in that game. So I definitely think that was response to coaching. But specifically about Jet, is it that he's the least coached or is is it that he's a freshman? Because to me, watching Jet, he looks a lot like Kobe looked (laughs) as as a freshman where they could actually take Kobe off the floor. Like, it's like, you don't play like that defensively, you can't play. Mm-hmm. You can't take Jet off the floor. No, Like, who, who are you going to put in for him when he's not playing defensively? You just got to ride it out. Yeah, yeah, and I think... I mean, go ahead, sorry. Well, and I think when you do get Jet back, I think that opens up the ability to play uh, Terrace at the four more, right? Because yes. uh, he is by far your best defensive option there. And uh, with you know, a Joey Baker in the lineup there. You don't really have a third score. You know, Doug, I don't know if he counts like that yet, but you've got Kobe and you have Dickinson. And I don't really know if you can survive 
uh, with you know Terrace at the at the four there. But with Jet on the floor, I think you can, especially because Hunter Dickinson's up to forty percent from three. So if you want to float him out to the perimeter and change those spacing issues, you can do that. So I mean, I I hope that we see more of that going forward because I think sort of the emergence of of Terrace as an, a viable option next to Dickinson has also been a reason that the season has has turned around quite a bit in the last month. Yeah, on the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. On go the ahead. Re- on the rebounding issue, I went back and watched the Wisconsin game because I, 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 I the first one because I expected to see that there was a lot of funky stuff, you know, balls clank, you know, the ordinary Wisconsin luck, ball clanking here, clanking there, going in, into a place where it was difficult uh, to rebound. But no, I didn't see that. What I saw was one of those when a ball kicked into the corner in Michigan on a terrible shot and Michigan really had no opportunity. Michigan just didn't play hard on the boards in that game. And it, and and that's just the fact. And it and it changed completely in the Wisconsin game, uh the second Wisconsin game and most notably in the Michigan State game where where Michigan was better on the boards than Michigan State and of course that's something that Izzo sort of prides himself on is is having his team being tough and physical and pushing you around and out rebounding you and and state just didn't do it in, in, in that game. So something's happened there where, where Michigan is paying more attention on the boards is in terms of jet. I mean, how do you keep him out of the lineup when he is a phenomenal shooter? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, but you know, maybe the deep, the little bit of defense we saw before he got hurt. Cause there were a couple possessions where mm-hmm. he looked good at, and maybe that'll begin to translate. And uh, all of a sudden, this team will sort of. Uh, well, if it together. doesn't, if it doesn't, I think the guys on the team will be the ones because his his dad has been <laughs> on his head. So that's that's the thing that sticks mm-hmm. out to me. Like he's always yelling at Jet, <laughs> like always yelling at Jet. <laughs> you you wonder as his son if if Jet kind of tunes that out. Like, hey, that's that's just pops. Right? <laughs> 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 but but when your teammates do it. You 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 maybe it hits a little different uh, if if that happens if if he gets into some possessions where he isn't as locked in as some of the other guys maybe that won't even be an issue based on the way that he was playing in the Michigan State game and, and how they're playing as a team right now but let's close out this segment uh, this basketball segment because I want to segue or transition into another topic on the other side how do we how did how did they finish out the regular season guys this this Illinois team is a bit of an enigma they can be one of the most explosive teams in the country or they can go out and lose to a an Ohio State team that's like 1 in 14 in their last 15 so what do you make of this Illinois squad and and then Indiana how do you see that game playing out? let's start with you Brian well it sounds like Jaden Epps who's their starting point guard may not play uh Brett Under was talking about some sort of scary he had a concussion yeah concussion yeah, it was a concussion in practice, like yesterday or a couple of days ago. So if he, he doesn't in practice, yeah, just did the update. It was in practice on Tuesday. He was in the hospital overnight to yesterday, and then was released. And he's taking being cared by his parents who are in town, but he's under care at the moment. But that's okay. the that I got. So he's not playing. I got to assume. Um, <clears throat> and so that's that's a big blow for them, and they don't really have uh, a backup for him. So they have a freshman point guard named Sincere Harris, who's 160 pounds at six foot four, hmm. uh, and he's uh, he's he's last year the, Buffkin. Well, he's not, but he's also terrible. 
uh, so far, I mean, not, we're not making any judgments because people get better. So when he's out of the lineup, they have to play Terrence Shannon more or less as a point guard. So this could really break down into a lot of ISO ball for Illinois. And, you know, I, they are big. They're huge. Uh, especially if, you know, Epps is out, they're bringing in one of their six foot six uh, wing guys that they have on the back end. So that might be a problem for Doug, but also they don't really have someone to match up with uh, Dickinson's size. They're, uh, I can't believe this guy's name is Dane Danger. <laughs> I, I thought he's, it was Dianja, but I, okay, but yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it looks like he's he's his, he's got like a rapper's name, like I'm Danger. Um, <laughs> uh, he's six nine, so he's he's a big boy, so he might be able to to hold up on the block, but he's not going to affect Dickens. He's like an shot. offensive lineman. He yeah, he's you see him out there. He's like he looks like Jake Long. Yeah, who is who is the guy for the Pistons back in the day? Just like a big guy. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, gosh. But, um, not, well, not had a few. Oliver, what air? They had Oliver Miller for for a minute. Oliver Miller. There yeah. you go. That's that's okay. it. But so I mean, Shannon's good, uh, and I think it's going to be real frustrating whenever he makes a shot. But you know, I think that they're ripe for the taking. I'm not saying Michigan should be favored in this game in any way whatsoever. But as you know, the season's gone along. They've been scuffle in the last month. They're three and four. They've uh, lost to Iowa, Penn State, Indiana, and as mentioned, Ohio State. All of those were road games. They've won all their home games. But one of those is like a four-point win over Northwestern. They beat Rutgers by nine. So this is a team that can struggle offensively. And then Michigan's ability to make some shots, if they can make shots, uh, can neutralize some of their defense, especially if Jet is back and he's just able to shoot over their length. There was another medical update from Illinois yesterday just to pass this along. I don't know what this means, to be honest. I assume he'll be fine by tonight, but Matthew Mayer met with the media yesterday as well, and he said he had been sick the previous few days with, quote-unquote, <laughs> caffeine poisoning. Right. Oh, yeah. five monster he had five Monster Energy drinks yeah. in a day. After he lost to Ohio State. He apparently uh, OD'd on caffeine after that loss. He was very upset about it and played video games. Yeah, he was and he was not back into practice until yesterday. Wait, wait, wait. Raise your hand here if after a loss to Ohio State, you didn't drink yourself stupid and play video games for five days. Completely understandable, but if you drink five monster energy drinks in a day and you don't die, you are you are immortal. So at least Matthew Meyer has that going for him. Hey, look, he was terrible at Ohio State. You would think he would want to go to sleep after that contest. He was bad against Ohio State. Hopefully he's that bad against Michigan. But how do you, Craig, see this these last games? You know, Illinois is a team I really blew and have blown in terms of perception all year at the beginning of the year, I thought they would never be able to fit all these stray parts together because the team is all transfers coming from here and there. And then Sky Clark, their five-star point guard left, or I don't know what, what happened to him, but then I saw him play. It was against a good team, either UCLA or Gonzaga or somebody early. And they just, just demolished them. And I thought, man, this, this team is, has really got it. But then as the season goes along, I watch them one game. They look great. I watch them with a game where they froze out Matthew Meyer. I mean, the rest of the team just wouldn't give him the ball. He's standing there alone. Ah, forget it. He can't. You know, they're not, they're not getting him the ball. I've seen games where Shannon, you know, looks like Michael Jordan. And I've seen games where Shannon looks like me. I mean, the uh, you know, so I just can't figure out um, – 
what what's going on with him or if there's any way to to predict what what Illinois is going to look like in any any particular game. They could come out and be great. They could come out and be dogs. I mean, they're they're a very difficult team for me what to a understand. Like this team is just like you want. I know you want to get into Indiana, but like Terrence Shannon's such a good player, and like would just be the piece for Michigan. Yeah. And instead of like yeah. one good tournament team, we have two bubble teams. Basically, I know Illinois yeah. is in, but ah, watching them, it's just so frustrating to watch Shannon and just the moops that they have around him right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. So uh, split sounds like you guys are thinking. Yeah, I mean. Oh. At Indiana is going to be tough, but we should mention that Indiana has also been scuffling a little bit. So they, I mean, they do have a couple wins over Purdue recently, but they lost to Northwestern. They lost to state and then they just got cranked by Iowa. So, and they have a narrow win over Illinois recently, and then they have a one point win over Michigan. So that hill is not impossible to climb. I'm I'm going out on the, it's a flimsy limb. Very, very flimsy. Michigan's going to win both these games. Oh my goodness! All right. <laughs> no, I'm not going out on that limb. That's for sure. Put him in the tournament. You know, no in the, in the Iowa Indiana game, that was just a stare down. I mean, you know, that was a stare down. Spoken so like what is that? I was going to win stare down. Yeah. Well, look, we need to get to a break. Back on the other side, we'll get to some hockey, some football. Close things out on the MGo Blog Roundtable here on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. The ticket. And we are clear on the radio. All right. Sounds like a plan, man. So yeah, so I'm I'm curious. We won't get to uh this in the on the radio portion, but two wins in their end. Is nineteen the magic number for all you guys as far as making the tournament? A two yeah. wins, it's yeah, they're they're definitely it. That I mean, includes the tournament. Wins, period. Like split now yeah. and then win one in the Big Ten tournament they're they're in. I think they yeah. could be on the bubble. Like, because if they split, they could be like the three seed, and then their first game is going to be against, I don't know, Nebraska, and that's probably not going to move the needle. Um, I got a really tall one. This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, twenty ounces <laughs> of Red Bull this morning. So no, but I, I oh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna Matthew Meyer yourself. <laughs> oh, he's having one. It's one. If you want to call it two, because it's a large can, that's yeah, only two. It's, You're it's, it's well two, short of five. It's two regular Red Bulls, but it's yeah, it's not close what, to five. What is that stuff? I don't even know. I've never had. Uh, it's like oh. it's like it's like mainlining caffeine. Is what let, this is. Let, uh, that's great. Let me let me correct Ross' story this for a second. I was when I was in college. I was in a fraternity, um, and uh, they had game day on campus. So Red Bull decides they're gonna like announce themselves on Michigan's campus by giving the fraternity parties like these boxes and boxes of Red Bull. We didn't know what this stuff was. Things <laughs> 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 got really out of control. I mean, we were mixing it with vodka. We didn't know what we were doing. Like we just having them and having them and having them. And all of a sudden the entire fraternity is just like the eyes bugging out of our heads. <laughs> What fraternity yeah. was that? Phi Kappa Psi. I I was not I was not the favorite of Phi Kappa Psi. I was kind of mm. <laughs> I was kind of like the dork yeah. stuffed in the in his room during parties. Yeah, I, I needed to pick me up. I needed to pick me up. I didn't have I don't have any Celsius left. No uptime, so I had to go by the gas station get some Red Bull. And make it uh, make it go. But yeah, I think they're gonna win both these games. I, I think I think that the the guard play has taken so much pressure. Off a of hunter, you know he 
it got to the point after that Indiana game where I that's when I thought they were done because he he was so mentally defeated that you know he couldn't even hide it. And if he wasn't hiding it with the media, you know he wasn't hiding it with the team. I was like, man, if he's having doubts, you know the rest of the team is. And credit to him and credit to them, they were able to recover from that. So now that he's actually getting some help, some consistent help, and the up and down play that we see from Illinois and Indiana. Yeah, he'll, I think they're going to do it, man. He'll get those doubles again against Illinois for sure because that's how Illinois plays. So he's it's going to be back to hack a, hack a hunter, especially on the road in the next two games, man. But Now you got guys knocking down shots, though. Yeah. See, before he get doubled, he'd kick it out. No one, they can throw it in the freaking ocean. Now they're hitting shots. So we'll see how it goes. So what do you guys make of uh, of the Amarion Walker buzz from last week? You believe well, in the I've been saying that all along, right? That 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 he's going to be. <laughs> I mean, wait, 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 wait. look what Harbaugh is saying. Harbaugh admits that he needs some strength, right? And he's like, he's still got to hit the weight room. And he said, I'm gonna, re- I'm ready to call him there now, but it's projection. So what they're not saying that Amarion Walker right now is their second, is is the second best cornerback after Will Johnson. They're yeah, saying they they're looking at their room that's and exactly saying. What he said. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said. No, he said, he said, I look through the quote, and he's like, you know, this is a projection. Like, I think that's where he's going to be. I'm ready to call it now. No. Um, he said after I two think, practices, he's the starting quarterback. Yeah, well. <laughs> back on radio in about 30 it's not, seconds. It's, that is not a nice thing to say about the rest of the cornerbacks. Let's, that's, that's that doesn't disqualify what you're saying about him still needing work. Yeah, like he still needs work. They 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 say he gets beat. Yeah, fortunately, he doesn't oh. really have to be ready to go until November. Yeah. Like <laughs> you look at the schedule, there's a lot of learning time in there. So we'll get to that. Get some hockey here coming up. So fellas, spring is in the air now. No practice right now. Guys are out on spring break. Some decided to stay behind and stay on their grind. But through three practices, no pads. There's some early returns. Jim Harbaugh. Poured some gasoline on the Amorion Walker party last week when he said after two practices, he's the starting cornerback. Are you ready to believe the hype? Even when it's the head coach saying it, or are you still tempering your enthusiasm? Starting with you, Craig Ross. Uh no, he, he's gonna I think Harbaugh's told us he's gonna be the starting corner. I don't I don't see the the uh re, or the second guessing in that that perhaps that 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 Seth sees of self second guessing but I, I see him saying look this guy's going to be our starting corner this year and uh you know someone's going to have to come in and and just do it just beat him beat him out that's what I see now maybe when Jair Hill comes in he just kills it but I think Seth pointed out last week that it isn't so easy to learn these positions not like it used to to be perhaps and uh, and so I think that Jair Hill may well play this year and be the third corner, perhaps. But I don't. Uh, I, I think I think at this point, pencil him in. He's the starting corner opposite Will Johnson. That's how. That's what I hear Harbaugh saying. Now, Seth, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have work to do. I've I've heard guys say, yeah, he's swimming. But you know, <laughs> him swimming is different. That when he makes a mistake, he can actually recover on these plays because he's so long he's so fluid he's so fast and so athletic here's what we haven't heard yet though and it's impossible to hear it we don't know what he is as a tackler huh. they haven't put on the pads yet 
So there is that. Yeah, he's gonna, you're going to have to tackle a little. I mean, you know, Channing Stribling didn't manage to go through most of his career without learning how to tackle, so it's possible. But it's it's going to be a thing. I, I think you have to parse words. Spring is always about hype, right? Spring is always about like talking guys up, and they're going to put things in the rosiest way possible. You have to ask yourself, are they saying Amorian Walker is so good that we have to play this guy? Or are they saying Amorian Walker is the best we've got at second cornerback? Now, they played the portal twice, and they came up empty. They tried to get uh, Jamon, and they tried to get uh, DJ to come back, and they came up empty. So, And then if, if this was happening like at the end of spring practice, if it was like, okay, we got some guys, but you, we can't keep Amorian off the field, that would lean itself more to this guy's awesome. I think that the situation is a lot closer to the, this is the best we got. Now, schematically, it works. The way that you can play Amorian allows you to get away with not having to be as technical as they were last year. And I think that last year they had a situation where, like, you got Jermon and, and Will Johnson, who's, you know, they're one type of cornerback, and DJ uh, Turner kind of gets beat over the top if you're kind of playing him up all the time. Both him and Will Johnson are huge cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. So... You could probably just play Saban style um, pattern matching all day because you got the length to get away with that, and that's why Saban likes that kind of cornerback because they have the length and the speed to make up for those mistakes and the the holes in that kind of defense. So maybe they can. I'm not saying Jesse Minter is going to simplify his coverages because he's a DB guy and he's not going to do that, yeah. but maybe scale it back a little bit from what you had with a bunch of seniors last year to what you have with these guys and just make things easier because you can just get away with that. You believe in the hype, Brian? Um, you know, I, I'm a guy who's been doing this for almost 20 years now of trying to parse out what seems believable and what's, what's not. <clears throat> and the, to have this so early, um, like two practices in, you know, that is the kind of thing that tends to be more reliable when it's like immediate and it's just like, okay, this is a guy. Um, <clears throat> Cause when, once you hit fall practice and people start talking up weak spots on the team, then you're like, Oh man, that sounds like Johnny Sears to me, but for it to happen <laughs> immediately for it to be paired with something that with that three cone drill, which even if it's hand timed, I guarantee you that Amorian Walker is going to be in that Bruce Feldman freaks article this fall. <laughs> and if, that's even close to true. I mean, cornerback is a spot where athleticism is priority one, two, and three. And we know Maureen Walker has great straight line speed. We know he's six foot four. If he has any change of direction that he's been hyped up to be, then yeah, I think I'm on board. Um, now the only other, the, the main concern here is that there really isn't a plan B, right? So who's he competing with? Who's he beating out? And I don't think McBurrows is back yet, um, and he has he hasn't been he's been on the shelf for a year, so I don't know how good you'd expect him to be immediately anyway. And then the rest of the options are freshmen, safeties, um, or guys, <laughs> yeah, guys who haven't really broken through yet. That's that's kind of the main concern there is if the reason that he's uh, seemingly locked into the the starter's job. No, I wouldn't say that. He's got an edge on the starter job so early is because there's just really nobody else. But coaches are usually pretty reticent to hype up guys early in spring. So I'm I'm on board. And so glass half full, admittedly, on this is I, I just don't see them moving a guy with the kind of promise 
that he uh, they believe he has a wide receiver if he was moving for anything other than we think he can be the guy. That's number one. Number two, the players before the coaches <coughs> were talking about Marion Walker. They were like, man, this dude is an absolute freak. They say they were all over it. And then the other piece is he's not learning defense from zero. Granted, he didn't get the full playbook last year, but he at least got acquainted with it. He at least got familiar with some of the concepts. So, uh, you know, this is not one of those deals where you think he going into next year is going to just be completely swimming out of the gate. I think no. he's... Yeah, go ahead. Well, and also you can, with his size, you can really dumb it down for him, right? Like with Will Johnson being 6'2 and Walker being 6'4, you can just play outside leverage on everything. <laughs> if they want to run a fade, God bless them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, no doubt. So we'll see. But the glass half empty, I have no idea what he is as, as a tackler. Like zero. I haven't yeah. heard anything, nothing from, from high school. The only thing I can give you positive on that is I hear he's up to 192 pounds. So All that, right. that at least makes you. What was he last you know, year? 154? 157. 157 pounds. All right. So Brian wow. uh, coming in, coming in when he came in in, in the winter, he's 157 pounds. Crazy. Uh you know, the hockey uh, outlook, you know, as things have not necessarily the last few games been as rosy as they were prior to that, handicapped this team as they uh, head into the postseason. Well, I mean, this weekend, they just got games stolen by a really hot goalie. Uh, that's, I mean, Bischel, Notre Dame's goalie, won those games for them flat out. And that's going to happen sometimes, and you don't want that to happen in the tournament. But just in terms of like how the teams played, I am not concerned about what happened uh, against Notre Dame at all. Uh, Ohio State, a little bit more difficult. I mean, that's just a team that seems to have Michigan's number. They, they have a heavy forecheck, and it's been really hard for Michigan to, to figure it out. But Notre Dame, I mean, they outshot Notre Dame 27-6 to in the third period of the Saturday game. And that's the best I've seen them look all season. And they seem to have, um, you know, it's the first period and they, they want to possess the puck. So they're not really shooting the, the puck very much. And they want to get really good opportunities. And sometimes you look at the the shots after a period and it's like, well, I mean, they got outshot by three, but it doesn't really feel like that. And then I feel like they turned it on in that Notre Dame game because they were down and they're like, okay, we need to put the puck on the net and they were just swarming. And so I kind of feel like, I hope that's a lesson for them to learn is like, sometimes, you know, just put it off the guy's pads and then it's, it's a chaotic situation, but they got Luke Hughes back on Saturday too, which is a big deal. So they didn't have Hughes for almost all of uh, the last two weekends. And they, they lost Fantilli early in the Saturday game because, you know, he uh, did something that is now pretty clearly a major uh, elbowed a guy in the head and, uh, He's got to, you know, draw that back, you know, find a balance because he was he was flying around the ice. He was hitting people. He was playing really well. And then he just, you know, took it a step too far. He's a freshman. He'll get better. <clears throat> but going into the playoffs, Wisconsin is a team that has some dangerous players, but just doesn't play any defense. So Michigan should be able to ease by them. And because Ohio State got swept by Minnesota, they will have a home game if they make the semifinal. So. And then in terms of pairwise, these last couple of weekends really haven't cost Michigan at all. So they were third in pairwise two weeks ago, and they're fourth today. Uh, and that's because a lot of the teams chasing them have also had some struggles. So it's they're still in a really good position. They're probably they. It's more likely than not they're a two seed instead of a one seed. But you know if they can just 
get healthy <laughs> and consolidate and maybe take uh honestly having just one game the next couple weekends maybe you can get Truscott back maybe you can get everybody fully healthy and then we can finally see what this team looks like when everybody is full go maybe go one gotcha. game without taking a major with one of your players yeah. well, well that's that's, that's not possible yeah that's gonna be we, we'll have to cut it there fellas we are out of time we appreciate Sorry, you listening we'll see you next time on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtk the ticket the official voice of university of michigan sports ann arbor accumulus station